The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday, March 7th, 2023. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. Temperature is rising. It is hot outside today. I wore a pullover into the office over a golf t-shirt, and I walked outside during lunch, and it's hot outside. And yeah, I was like, wait a minute. I, I'm like, hold up like I know it's starting to get into March and the state of Alabama likes to become summer by April but wasn't ready for it to be 80 something degrees outside today yeah I mean but here we are it's 80 something and it's hot and it uh it's muggy out there too so uh, if you're if you don't have to be outside I don't recommend it but hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday edition of on the line the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back should be a great show today lots of basketball talk as we get into uh champ week as it is conference championship week across college basketball We have some of the bigger conference tournaments getting started today and tomorrow. Uh, We have some teams that have already punched their ticket to the NCAA tournament. We'll talk about some of those teams, look ahead to what's happening right now as the ACC tournament gets going underway. Uh, If you are really, really bored, you can turn into that and watch it. I don't recommend it, but if you want to, if again, if you're looking for something to watch, you can turn the ACC tournament on. Don't turn us away, though, but ACC tournament gets going today. Uh, you have the WCC championship game tonight between Gonzaga and St. Mary's. We'll get into that as well. Some of the games we've seen already uh, over the past couple days have been really fun in these mm-hmm. mid-major matchups. A uh, couple WCC teams, the lower-ranked teams, won a couple games, made it to the semifinals, and pushed St. Mary's and Gonzaga. And then you've seen all sorts of crazy stuff happen up and down yeah. mid-major basketball. Well, it's almost like if they didn't have to play four games to get to the semifinals, they'd have a little bit more gas in the tank to play Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Yeah, right. No, it's totally fair. It's <laughs> totally fair, 100%. But it is what it is. We'll talk about all that coming up here today. We'll also begin to break down the SEC uh, tournament bracket. We talked about it yesterday a little bit, just kind of giving you the matchups. But going to start breaking it down today as that gets going tomorrow. Look at where Auburn is, what they have to do uh, to try and be crowned SEC tournament champions on Sunday in Nashville. It's not going to be easy, but we'll break down the SEC tournament bracket it and a whole lot more. Look at updated bracketology. We'll talk a little Auburn baseball as well as they play UAB tonight over at Plainsman Park. And so should be a busy show. Phone lines are open all show long today. We'd love to hear from you, our listeners. 334-321-1390. That number again to put you through to us. 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind in the sports world? Anything on your mind related to Auburn? Auburn basketball, baseball, softball, gymnastics, football. Not a whole 
lot going on right now on the football front, uh, with it being spring break. A couple of guys have uh, said they're going to come and take a visit. Uh, Big-time wide mm-hmm. receiver, I believe the number one offensive lineman in, in the country, said he's going to come and take a visit to Auburn as well. But as yeah. of right now, actively, not a ton going on on the football front. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this Hugh Freeze staff do such a good job of getting guys I guess, in the door and have those um, start to build those relationships. And you have to be encouraged. I mean, now that we are uh, recruiting periods are open Mm -hmm. and there's going to be guys on campus. I know it's spring break for Auburn, but there's going to be a lot of guys that come watch Auburn in spring practice. It's exciting. And I think things in the next few weeks here will start to definitely pick up for um, Auburn football and recruiting as well as we're going to learn a lot about uh, spring practice, which early returns, uh, from what I've heard and from talking to people, um, pretty positive, with the exception of the quarterback group. Which is not what Auburn fans really want to hear, but it is what it is. And I, I think it's important for for everybody to realize and understand that this quarterback room and this quarterback battle whoever it's going to be, whether they're on campus right now or they still have to be gotten from the transfer portal, um, it's going to be a process and it's going to be a battle. And I think that has to be remembered. We're not going to have a starter named by the end of spring. I promise you that. That will not happen. And so keep an open mind uh, and, and have some patience if you're an Auburn fan looking for uh Great news out of the quarterback position. But, again, not a ton going on right now, Auburn football-wise. But, as Carter mentioned, should pick up as we get through uh, the month of March and into April once we have the spring game and stuff like that. Once the transfer portal opens back up, we'll have some excitement there as well. But this is March. This is about basketball. This is a college basketball month. If there is any month of the year that is dominated by a sport, it is the month of March. And as Champ Week rolls on, here on a Tuesday, uh, as we mentioned, some teams have already punched their ticket to the NCAA tournament on some of these smaller conferences thanks to the automatic bid from winning your conference championship, which when this conversation comes up, I will always bring up that it is dumb to do it that way. It should be given to the team that wins their conference regular season ter- or the regular season championship because that proves who the best team from your conference truly is when you have a good record, the best record against the teams in your conference over a three-month span not just a four-day period where you can get hot so I always bring that up because I truly believe that and if you disagree or agree give us a call I'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 but you look at some of the teams that have already solidified a spot in the NCAA tournament they will hear their name called coming up this Sunday on selection Sunday you have Kennesaw State from the A-Sun they are in UNC Asheville from the Big South they are in you also have Drake from the Missouri Valley they are in how about Fairleigh Dickinson from the Northeast Conference where they are in by default because Mary Mack is not eligible so you and I were talking about this before the show, and it's I hate this rule where some teams, depending on when they've changed conferences or elevated or ineligible for postseason play, you see it in bowl season. I think it was JMU uh, in football that was not allowed to play in a bowl game despite being really good uh, in the Sun Belt uh, this past season. I hate that rule. I think it's really dumb. Yeah. 
I mean, I I guess I get it um, because you don't. They're trying to protect it from, a, I guess, a FCS team or a lower division team that knows it's going to be really good from um, jumping up for one year and all of a sudden going to a tournament or playing in a bowl game. Like, JMU went 8-3 and three this past year in the Sun Belt with one of those losses coming to an ACC team. So they were really good. And they, um, I think they went, and I mean, they be, they blew the doors off Coastal uh, and they didn't get to play for a bowl game. But I hate this rule. I agree. I, I hate I it because really there's a way to do it. And a lot of times when this happens is when a team changes conferences, right? When you take in it, most of the time when you take a step up from one conference to another, there is a window two to three years it may be a set rule it may be fluctuating on the conferences I'm not 100% on that but there is a two to three year window where when a team and we'll talk college basketball uh, for for this conversation since this is about the NCAA tournament when a team takes that step up from a smaller conference to a bigger conference there's a two to three year window where no matter what they do no matter what their record is their performance is they cannot go to the NCAA tournament. They can win their conference tournament. They can compete in their conference tournament, but they cannot go and represent their conference in the NCAA tournament, which is just ridiculous. I just don't understand the reasoning behind it. And, And because if you move up a conference, so what if you're good? If you still beat everybody in that new conference, you should be able to go and represent that conference in the NCAA tournament. I I don't get punishing a team for being good and performing at a higher level and still being successful. That makes absolutely zero sense to me. Yeah, they when you look at this Merrimack team, they have been in Division One. This is their fourth year of Division One basketball. They were a really, really good Division Two team that went to the tournament um, and at the D two level mm-hmm. very often. Uh, and right now, they're in year four. This was the second time they've won the Northeast Conference regular season. Uh, and hey, they have not played in a postseason yet. Uh, I don't know if they've won the conference tournament. It does, I don't think they did that first year, but they have the chance to today. And even if they win, they aren't allowed to go play in the uh, NCAA tournament. And fairly, Dickinson is in no matter what. Isn't that crazy? I hate that. I mean, they're going to play a Northeast Championship game, a Northeast Conference Championship game, fairly Dickinson versus Mary Mack. And the only thing riding on it is the trophy because the winner is already the winner's not going no matter what it's fairly dickinson like they are going to the ncaa tournament and what is upsetting about this is the northeast conference is a conference of college basketball that gets one team into the tournament every single year they get one team who wins their conference tournament to the ncaa tournament and now what makes these championship games and these smaller conference tournaments so much fun. And if you don't watch them, I highly recommend that you do it because all of these teams are fighting for a chance to make it to the NCAA tournament. When you watch the SEC tournament coming up in a couple of days, half of the teams, give or take, if they win or lose, they're still going to play on next week. You know, I realized they wouldn't have gotten, Merrimack wouldn't have gotten to play in their conference tournament to potentially win a conference tournament because they were the number one seed um, the pandemic year. 
So they so they weren't even allowed to. I guess I'm assuming that huh. that conference tournament did not get played. Oh, I'm sure it didn't. If it was around the same time period, I mean, this is right when it either that it either year, everything got shut. Yeah, down. it either didn't get played or it got shut down during the play. I mean, man, I remember, and that's what's crazy about this time period because this is exactly when COVID hit and when the world shut down is I remember where I was, right? I was sitting in a restaurant with my dad and some of our work friends when I was working for him over the summer. We were at lunch. The Big East tournament was on, right? We were watching the Big East tournament on TV, and they went to the locker room at halftime and never came back out. That's when that stuff started going down. So absolutely, this This could have happened to Merrimack. This is more messed up than even that. They weren't allowed to play in the conference tournament in their first year in the Northeast Conference. They were the they won the regular season and they were not allowed to play in their conference tournament. because of this rule. I was that I a, don't know was that a Northeast Conference rule? That's not an NCAA rule, is it? But but so the one seed in the Northeast Conference tournament in 2020 was Robert Morris, who got that uh, that one seed because they were 13 and five, tied with St. Francis of uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. But they were one and one against Merrimack, so their tiebreaker gave them the one seed because they had a win against the the regular season champion. How That's dumb is so that? Stupid. <laughs> I mean, I hate that. I, I don't understand these types stinks. of rules. Like, like this conference that, stinks. Like that's. Like, why have a rule in place like that? Like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Hey, congratulations on taking the step up to a bigger conference and the bigger level of basketball than what you were at. But while you adjust, we're going to make sure that you can't adjust properly and we're going to hold you back. Even if you perform well, no, no, no. You can't compete with the rest of these teams because you're not to their level yet. That's just beginner's luck. Come on, man. That doesn't make any I sense. I hate that so much. And, and the reason we bring this up is we're looking at teams that have already clinched an NCAA tournament bid, and Fairleigh Dickinson out of the Northeast Conference is getting in over Merrimack because of this rule where Merrimack cannot, they're not eligible for the NCAA tournament because they are new in their conference. So it's a dumb rule. I hate it, but it is what it is, I guess. I hope it changes, but I don't see they're it's going to change. clear of everybody in their conference, and they're not allowed to play for an NCAA tournament. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But out of the Ohio Valley Conference, you have Southeast Missouri State. You have Furman out of the Southern Conference, who won last night uh, thanks to a very entertaining game uh, in their conference t- championship game uh, as they took down Chattanooga. And if you remember from last year, these two teams met in the uh, SoCon championship game where Chattanooga Chattanooga beat Furman on a buzzer beater to get to the NCAA tournament. Well, Furman gave their revenge last night, 88-79. to And watch out for Furman because they're going to be a lower seed. You're probably looking at a 14-15 seed out of Furman. They have a chance to be a little scary and a little sketchy because they are very experienced. They have really, really good guard play. Furman's a team you don't want to see at the 14-15 seed, I promise. They're a good team. Yeah, I mean, they are a good program, a good team, uh, and they got some payback against Chattanooga, and uh, looks like Jamal Johnson, I guess his college career is yeah. finally over. I guess I guess Chattanooga could make a make an appearance in one of these other tournaments, the CBI or the CIT. Or yeah, I mean, not the NIT. Yeah, eighteen and seventeen, seven and eleven in conference play. You're probably not looking at anything crazy uh, for postseason they, play they for are Chattanooga. Five hundred, which I do think will carry some weight mm-hmm. there. But they got hot 
uh, in the conference tournament. They beat Samford, who was one of the favorites in that league. Yeah. They beat Wofford. Um, they made a nice little run. And Jamal Johnson in this game last night, he had 17 points, 4 of 8 from 3, 5 of 11 from the field. Um, he's been pretty effective for that Chattanooga team, and good for him. He finally found, mm-hmm. um, I guess, at UAB and then at Chattanooga, he found a place yeah. where he could make an impact. Yeah, he made a couple of stops, and he's he's a, a it seemed like a good guy and a, and a solid player, right? He's sort of limited to a shooter, I think, but he's still, like you said, he found a good place in Chattanooga. They made the tournament last year, made it to their conference championship game this year, but Furman is in the NCAA tournament out of the Southern Conference, and then Louisiana last night, they uh, win the Sunbelt Conference after beating South Alabama in another uh, small major uh, conference game that was really, really good. South Alabama had their chances down the stretch, just couldn't close it out. Louisiana, another experienced team, you just never know. Yeah, I mean, these... You have these teams that build up these pretty impressive records, and uh, especially in their conference. Like I look at a team like Oral Roberts, who has made some noise here recently in the NCAA tournament. They're going to be playing, I think, for a championship today. They have yet to lose a game in their conference, and they're a really good team. They're an at-large team because they're that good, I think. I think they're the last thing I saw was them slated as a 12 seed, I believe, maybe. Which doesn't happen out of these smaller conferences. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not a thing for the Summit League to get an at-large bid. If you're a bubble team, you need to be rooting for them to beat North Dakota State tonight. They are 29-4 and four on the year. That's ridiculous. I don't care what conference you play in. If you're 29-4 and four in college basketball, you're doing something right. They've got a big man who's a stud for them. His name is Connor Vanover. Um, he's an impressive player. I mean, he's he's kind of a big, tall, uh, seven foot five, two hundred twenty seven pound big man wow. who can go get you some double doubles, and he averages three blocks a game. Like he's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Well, some teams have uh, punched their ticket already thanks to the automatic bid from winning their conference championship games. A couple of games going on tonight with teams that can get their way into the NCAA tournament. We'll talk about those games when we come back and then we'll start breaking down the SEC tournament bracket. Look at Auburn's draw. Look at the other matchups around the SEC. Who has the best chance to make it to Sunday and have a chance at winning an SEC championship. We'd love to hear from you as well. 3-3-4 Three, two, one, thirteen, ninety. More college basketball talk when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com, or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Back inside the studio at ESPN 106.7, Auburn Open Like a Sports Leader. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you for the Tuesday edition of On the Line as we continue just looking at where we stand right now with college basketball as teams continue to uh, make their mark and punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. You have, I believe it's seven teams right now that have uh, already clinched a bid in the tournament. A couple of teams have a chance to do that today and tonight. 
tonight. Uh, you had some semifinal games yesterday in some of these conference tournaments, and now today uh, you have lots of games all day and night long. A couple of the games that are on right now, uh, the uh, A-10 Conference, the Atlantic 10, uh, is getting underway today in their first round. The ACC tournament is also underway as of right now. Georgia Tech, Florida State, they are playing right now. I believe they have four, probably four games today as well. Does the ACC? Yes, yes, mm-hmm. they, they do because of uh, the way that their conference is, their conference tournament is set up. We also, I always love when these tournaments are sponsored by something. The, I think the, it's the so New funny. York Life ACC tournament <laughs> and the Hercules Tires Whack tournament right now. I are think there's a, a Barbasol. The Barbasol Horizon yeah. tournament, I love believe. It. Love it. Absolutely. I think, look, and we, I think we mentioned that yesterday. Like, hey, mm-hmm. if you can get a sponsor, go for it, man. Make that money. Yes, the Barbasol Horizon League Championship final is today at 6 p.m. between Northern Kentucky and Cleveland State. Northern Kentucky is a good program, man. They are a very good program. They're a small school up there in uh, in, in Kentucky, and um, they are they've always got some guys that can hit some shots, some experienced guards that nobody's ever heard of. But once they get into their tournament, and once they make the NCAA tournament, which they have uh, multiple times over the past decade. They are a team nobody wants to mess with, and uh, shout out to them because I think they took down the one seed Youngstown State yesterday. I believe they're a good. They're a good program, man. Very, again, very underrated. So yeah, a couple of championship games today, and again, winners will get that automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. We already talked about Fairleigh Dickinson playing Mary Mac in a worthless championship game because Fairleigh Dickinson going to the cha- to the NCAA tournament. Mary Mac is uh, ineligible because of horrible rules you mentioned northern kentucky and cleveland state uh that's six o'clock on espn should be a fantastic game winner will go to the ncaa tournament winner or loser i should say will go and play in a smaller tournament somewhere but again it's one of those leagues where one's in and nobody else is i just found something else interesting out so it's the new york life acc tournament and then it's the pac-12 tournament presented by new york life really I, I wonder why, why it's different. I don't know why they choose to make it so different. And also, nothing says Pac-12 like New York Life. Yeah, because that makes a whole lot of sense. But I know it's I know it's a national company, but still, still, I, hey man, they're shelling out some money, and and I'm sure it's not a How pretty much penny. How money do you think it costs to sponsor a high major conference tournament like the Phillips 66 Big 12 Championship? I don't know because as because we've got the ACC tournament on here in the studio, and not only are they sponsoring it, you get a logo on the floor every time they come in and out of break. They're going to say the New York Life ACC tournament. It's going to be in every graphic. It's going to be on every transition on TV. Like millions has to be. Here's I have no idea. One, the PinFed Credit Union uh, Patriot League tournament championship. That one probably doesn't cost as much. (laughs) Uh, I'll agree with you there. (laughs) Well, look, man, like we said, if you're a conference and you can get a sponsor, go for it because make that money. Uh, You look at some other championship games going on today. UNC Wilmington, 24-9, 12-6 in the CAA, taking on Charleston, 30-3, 16-2 overall. That is a College of Charleston team that nobody wants a piece of because they are good and our buddy Jack was actually texting us about that last night how you don't want to mess with Charleston man they're going to upset somebody in the tournament it's going to happen 
Yeah, I think they've got a pretty good seed with Oral Roberts, kind of. If you look through, I'm trying to see where Lenardi has them. Oral Roberts is a 12 seed, currently paired up in the East against Iowa State as the 5 seed. If I'm Iowa State, I'm not sure I love that. No, not, especially in, that, not in that historic 12-5 matchup. Especially if you're playing a low major team that has a 7-5 center. I feel like that's the kind of thing that can like drastically change a game. I know Coastal's on here, and for whatever reason, I cannot find or them. Charleston? Charleston. Yeah. Uh, yes, College of Charleston is what I meant. Yeah. They're a 12 seed paired uh, in the West uh, against St. Mary's. Wow, really what a game that game. would be. That I wonder if that I wonder if that St. Mary's as a five seed is with them winning or losing their conference championship game tonight. I wonder hmm. if that changes it. Because they play Gonzaga, another team or another conference that will put an automatic bid in. The loser's still going to make the NCAA tournament. But yes, the West Coast Conference, number nine Gonzaga, number sixteen St. Mary's for the championship. Zags favored by two and a half. Yeah, that I mean, Gonzaga, I think, is a better team. I think it's been two close games. Um, neutral site, I feel like Gonzaga, with the experience winning that tournament, is going to have the advantage if I, had to, if I had to guess. Should be a good game, though. Should be a really good game, and both teams should be fresh. They've only played one game to get to their championship game, so they should be just fine when it comes to energy. And then you mentioned Oral Roberts. They played North Dakota State in the Summit League Championship. So tonight is a big night of college basketball. Multiple teams will write their name in the NCAA tournament field tonight. Should be a lot of fun. But when we come back, we'll start talking the SEC tournament. It begins tomorrow in Nashville. We'll talk about Auburn's draw and who has the best chance to win it all. Jacob Goertz and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you here in the studio as we begin to look at the SEC basketball tournament that begins tomorrow in Nashville where one team will uh, claim their spot in the NCAA tournament thanks to a conference tournament win, but getting sort of getting away from the the games and the conferences we've been discussing for uh, the last 30 minutes or so where most of those conferences uh, that are wrapping up their tournaments today and tomorrow or have already wrapped them up those are typically your one bid leagues where one team wins the conference tournament and everybody else goes and plays in something other like the NIT or something even smaller where now once you get into these bigger conference tournaments, ACC, SEC, Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10, um, Big East, right? These are conferences where they are going to get multiple teams in. And the SEC, as of right now, uh, according to Joe Lenardi, getting eight teams in to the NCAA tournament, the second most out of all major conferences. And you look at the SEC tournament bracket in the field, obviously this is based off of uh, performance throughout the entire SEC regular season. And we'd love to hear from you. Which matchups are you looking forward to the most? Which games are you looking forward to the most? Who has the easiest path to a championship 
in Nashville. Who has the toughest path? And how do you feel about Auburn's path to the NC or to the SEC tournament championship? We'd love to hear from you on any of that. 334-321-1390. And Carter, as we start to look at this bracket, just looking at one through fourteen, Alabama, your one seed. They're your SEC regular season champs. Mm-hmm. They have the SEC player of the year, the SEC freshman of the year with Brandon Miller. Maybe not playing their best basketball coming into Nashville, but they are safely say they definitely aren't yeah and they and there's no doubt there is an argument to be made that the outside noise has impacted them how are they able to to shake that off and see if they can perform well in Nashville they are the one seed Texas A&M the two seed Kentucky at three Missouri at four so those four teams have your double bye they will not play until the Friday quarterfinals then you look at the second round uh, who got a first round bye after Missouri at four, you have Tennessee at five, you have Vanderbilt at six, Auburn at seven, Florida eight, Mississippi State nine, and Arkansas at 10, which is crazy to think that Arkansas is a 10 seed in this conference tournament. The four teams that'll play tomorrow in the first round at 11, you have Georgia, 12, South Carolina, 13, Ole Miss, and 14, LSU. And you look at these first round matchups tomorrow, it'll be Ole Miss taking on South Carolina, then it'll be LSU and Georgia. And look, with a bracket that's this big, where you have to play so many games and beat so many good teams, it's really hard for an 11, 12, 13, or 14 seed, especially in the SEC, to make a deep run in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very difficult. I mean, we haven't seen... I mean, there was... What year was it? Was it the 2008 SEC basketball tournament where things got absolutely crazy and haywire and you saw a very low-seeded Georgia team, a Georgia team that was actually, yeah, a Georgia Georgia team that was seeded last in the East. So they were the sixth seed in the East because this is back when we had divisions and mm-hmm. did all that. And that's also the famous SEC tournament when there was the um, the tornado and everything oh, and they yeah. changed venues. And Georgia makes a run from being basically the 12th seed in this tournament all the way to winning the the tournament and making the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. They were their can, their record for the season after um I guess the tournament run was 17 and 17. So that tells you how their season had gone. They had Look four at that run they conference made. wins. They beat Ole Miss uh the 3 seed out of the West in the first game. Then uh made a run through Kentucky uh, beat the one seed out of the West, Mississippi State, and then Arkansas. We haven't really seen. Yeah, I forgot about. We that. haven't really seen that many um, historic, I guess, runs by these low seeds all that often. It and just doesn't happen. Look at the coaches that were in the SEC at the time and where they were in that 08 season. Billy Donovan at Florida, mm-hmm. Bruce Pearl at Tennessee. How about that? Billy Gillespie at Kentucky. Cal hadn't even gotten there yet. Stansbury at State, he was the one seed. Lebo at Auburn. Gottfried at Alabama, yeah. Andy Kennedy at, at Ole Miss. In yeah. that, I mean, that's a that is a blast from the past, right there. Looking at 2008, but you're right. I, I, that's probably the last time you've seen a first round SEC tournament team make it all the way 
to the championship game? I mean, yeah, you had last year of Texas A&M who made a nice run, but they didn't play on Wednesday. They played on Thursday. And so... Well, I mean, th- this is also pre... Um, 14-team SEC when this happened. I mean, that's I'm actually, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. The last time, I don't think we've really seen uh, an SEC team since it's gone to 14 teams, and you got to play the close, the deepest run I can find so far, and I'm going through it year by year, is in the 14 SEC tournament, South Carolina beat Auburn on the first day, then upset Arkansas, and then ended up losing to Tennessee in the quarters. It's really difficult to be that bad all year long and then make a really deep run. Mm. The Auburn team a year later, yeah, beat Mississippi yeah. State, beat A and M, beat LSU in overtime on a KT Harrell buzzer, buzzer beater, beater, yeah, and then got blown out by one seed Kentucky once they got to the semis. That's your best run by mm-hmm. by somebody who's seated that low well just think about how hard it is i mean you have to win one two three four five games in five days i mean you literally play every single day back to back to back and the longer you play the more you play the more wore out you're gonna be and so that's why when you look at Ole Miss versus South Carolina LSU versus Georgia these teams aren't great and nobody expects them to make it far, but it's just so hard to make a run when you're that low of a seed in an SEC tournament or any of the big time conference tournaments. I forgot the 2016 tournament was weird because Missouri was not eligible to play in that tournament. Oh, because of that rule, right? Yeah. Because well, of that- no, that one was they self imposed a postseason oh, ban on yeah. themselves. Oh, and so they were not allowed to play. That's right. In their uh, in the SEC tournament, and so it was a weird Gosh. where the only game on the first day was Auburn Tennessee. Wow! And 2016 was seven years ago. Yeah, that's mind blowing too, isn't it? How about that? And think about this. Think about this. Talking about the SEC tournament having 14 teams in it. You're about to add two more. Texas and then, Oklahoma then are coming. A 16-team tournament, and yeah. it's going to be just like a normal tournament, and that'll be interesting when you quit giving the top four double buys. Mm-hmm. Just how like that sets up to me a lower-seeded team to make a Georgia run in 08 and win the tournament because they don't uh, have to because, play as many games. Well, well, you play the same amount of games as everybody else, right? That's yeah, just, that's what you, I mean. If you get hot, you're not all of a sudden you're you're, it's you're not in. Your third or fourth game, and you're you're exhausted, and the other team's still fresh. Right. That's that's what I was saying. Like you, there's it's a lot more balanced, and 100%. and that's going to make it really really interesting because yeah, you look at what a six team team bracket would be, and it's just one's going to play. I would assume they'll do it that way, but I'm not 100 percent sure. It's interesting to see how this is going to go down when Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC as well. Besides that one Auburn run. I don't think we've seen a one of these first four games, first four teams in the SEC tournament make it past the quarterfinals. And again, it's just so tough, right? It's so so oh, it's tough. A, it's a heck of an uphill battle. Yeah. Vanderbilt made it to the quarterfinals after upsetting Alabama in uh, that was last year, huh? Mm-hmm. Forgot about that. What year was it that Vanderbilt went and won the SEC tournament by beating Kentucky? Was that? I what, don't know. I forget what year that was, but I remember they did that 
uh, years ago. But you looked outside of the first round of what this year's SEC tournament is going to look like. And again, it starts tomorrow in Nashville. We'll run all the way through Sunday. And outside of the first round games, you get to those second round matchups. Mississippi State playing Florida in the 8-9. I think that's really interesting. You have Tennessee, who will play the winner of Ole Miss and South Carolina. Vanderbilt won the 12 tournament. That's right. That's right, 2012. In New Orleans. Yeah, that's right. God, I can't, that's been that long ago. Man, that's been that long ago. I knew they did, and I knew it had been a while. I just couldn't remember what year it was, but 2012. Okay, interesting. Well, well, as I said, Tennessee uh, waiting the winner of Ole Miss and South Carolina, and then Arkansas and Auburn. We'll talk about that one as well. Vanderbilt as the sixth seed, as they have gotten hot here as of late. They await the winner of LSU and Georgia. Out of the matchups that are set, plus the two potential matchups in that second round, Carter, which ones, and we can obviously talk about Auburn-Arkansas, but some interesting matchups there in that second round. Again, two of them are set, two of them yet to be set, but upset possibly in a couple of these games. Yeah, I mean, I Florida is listed as the eight seed, but I feel pretty good about Mississippi State in that matchup because uh, Florida is without... Colin Castleton and I think that that's going to be the difference because I don't know how this Florida team matches up with Tolu Smith I think Tolu Smith is so very good and when they matched up earlier this year that I think they played just one time uh, when Castleton was healthy State lost by two in that game and I think Castleton makes up more than a two-point difference in this second matchup so By seeding, State is going to pull an upset in that game. But I think when you see the line come out, which I don't know when exactly that's, that's probably going to happen tomorrow for that game. Mm -hmm. um, I fully expect State to be a few point favorite in that game, I would say. Yeah, I think State should be uh, the favorite in that game. Arkansas is going to be favored against Arkansas. Or or, or Arkansas is going to be favored against Auburn. Sorry. You think so? Yes. Interesting. I mean, all the metrics love Arkansas in that matchup. And they have Nick Smith, first time out. Nick Smith wasn't there. It's a different game. I think if Auburn plays with the same sense of urgency and effort that they showed last week, Auburn's very capable of winning this game and very capable of beating that A&M team. Um, I do think that something interesting is um, that potential of who does Vanderbilt get? Right. Because Vanderbilt doesn't have Liam Robbins. We know they've managed to play well without him. Uh, how long can they sustain that? Because they were a really bad team yeah. without him earlier in the year. Uh, we saw LSU beat them the last time they played. And if Vanderbilt had just handled business in that game, in that game by itself, they'd be sitting in that four seed right now. I bet they are kicking. The, they ought to be kicking themselves right now because you're right. If they handle business against the worst team in the SEC, they don't have to play this extra game. And I'm fascinated to see those. If Georgia, if LSU makes it, well, okay, it's a rematch. It's an opportunity for Vanderbilt to get revenge on that loss that they just had to this LSU team, where KJ Williams went for 35 and 10. Mm. Um, I think Vanderbilt would probably win that game if it's Georgia. I think Georgia has better guards in that matchup. Like, between Terry Roberts and Cario Okendo, I think Georgia's got better guards. It's just a matter of 
how motivated is this Georgia team going to be? Because we've seen such different different sides from this Georgia team all year long. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely there with you, partner. If Vanderbilt right now is sitting there trying to decide who do we want to play, you better want LSU. And you're probably not going to get them. You better be ready to play against Georgia because they're not a great team. They're really not even a good team. But they're good enough to beat some teams. Auburn can tell you that firsthand. Who gives Tennessee a tougher game out of South Carolina and Ole Miss? Got to be Ole Miss. See, I'm thinking South Carolina. Really? Just because you've got, between Michi Johnson and Gigi Jackson, you've got a couple guys who have the capability to go nuclear and turn a game on its head. And you've got, uh, you've got I think of what in his name, uh, Hayden Brown, the, the, the one of their shooters, mm. who um, that, that was a big point in the overtime loss to Alabama that they had at home. Hayden Brown had fouled out uh, fairly early, I think with like five minutes left in that game. And it caught, and that's part of the reason why you saw Alabama um, – was able to separate in overtime because you saw the foul trouble that South Carolina was in, and I think G.G. Jackson ran out of gas and couldn't go step-for-step step with um, Brandon Miller the way that he had been early in that game. My argument is Ole Miss because their last three games, or their last four games, their, their last five games, six games, well, no, not maybe not six, last five games, they're one and four. Yes, not a good record. But against Mississippi State, they lost by eight. They were in that game down the stretch at home. Then they came to Auburn and had every opportunity to beat Auburn inside of Neville Arena. Auburn just has more talent and was able to just out-talent them to a win. Then they beat LSU by 13. Again, it's the worst team in the league. I get it. Then they play number 24, Texas A&M, and they lose to them by eight, where Again, they had some chances. You make some shots, make some plays down the stretch. A&M beat them, but Ole Miss was at least in the ballgame. Same thing with Missouri in the last game of the season. On the road, they lose that one by five, where that was probably outside of the Auburn game, their best chance to pick up a win down this stretch. They weren't able to get it. So what's the mindset for Ole Miss playing South Carolina? And if they get that win, do they truly believe that they can give Tennessee a game? I think Ole Miss would be a tougher test for Tennessee than South Carolina would. I think I think Ole Miss fights more consistently, and they're going to give you 40 minutes more often. I think the ceiling of South Carolina is greater if you get your the best from South Carolina, they can give you a lot of trouble. I mean, if you, if you look at their last five games, there is one absolute stinker in there where they lose uh, on the road in Knoxville, eighty-five to forty-five. Mm. But they beat LSU on the road by nine. They took Alabama to overtime and lost by two. They lost uh, on the road at Mississippi State by six. They're right there, and then they beat Georgia at home to finish the regular season. I think. The ceiling, like if you're picking me in a one-off matchup, say, hey, you have an opportunity to pull a really big upset and move the needle, I think you might get a motivated South Carolina team. And if you get that, I think they can give Tennessee more trouble in that first, that second round game. Which is fair. And look, it's going to be a tough matchup either way for the lower seed against Tennessee because of how good Tennessee's defense is. But we know when Sakai Ziegler not playing, and we also know that if a team can get hot and start shooting well against Tennessee, 
That is a way to take down the Vols. Tennessee waits on Ole Miss and South Carolina. we got to get to our final break. We'll talk about this some more. We'll talk more about this bracket in hour number two and where Auburn sits their path to what a championship could be in the SEC tournament. All that coming up as we wrap up hour number one and we get into hour number two here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the first hour here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. And we'll take a break from the SEC tournament conversation because uh, we were talking earlier about how uh, Mary Mack got basically screwed out of an NCAA bid or tournament bid or a chance at an NCAA tournament bid because uh, they are not eligible to make the NCAA tournament because they moved up into Division One basketball. They're out of the Northeast Conference and Fairleigh Dickinson gets the automatic bid now. They both play tonight. They play each other in their conference championship game, but Merrimack is in their fourth and final year of being ineligible to play in the NCAA tournament because they moved up because uh and our wonderful boss steve witten sent us uh some note in an article about it as saying that it's a it's an ncaa rule you're ineligible for postseason for four years after you move up a division which is just ridiculous the fact that the rule is in place i've never been able to been nobody's given me an argument on why that makes sense in four years seems like a lot of time to punish a team for taking that step up if you're trying to protect them why like Mm -hmm. you're not helping them at all by saying oh well you had a great season but it was probably a fluke you can't go and represent us maybe they're trying to prevent one of the long-standing teams of a conference from getting a bid taken away from them because a team gets hot I don't understand it. None of it makes sense yeah. to me. And so, yeah, you are you are ineligible for postseason play four years after you move up a division. And in coming into this year's postseason play, yep. 11 teams are ineligible for the NCAA tournament because of that rule. You know what's interesting? There's, there's one that, I guess, took place uh, last year. Bellarmine last year was in year two of Division One basketball. They won their conference tournament, and that's what yep. let JSU yep. go play Auburn in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, but yet in their first year uh, in the in Division One basketball, they played in the CBI. So I don't know how that works. Does CBI not considered a true postseason tournament then? Huh. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not because maybe it's not a. Is the CBI an invitation, or is it like a... It's the College Basketball Invitational, CBI. Sure enough. Interesting. I wonder what the ruling is on that. They're like, well, CBI doesn't count. <laughs> like, yeah, that's CBI, really maybe not as... Like, that's... Uh, it's so dumb, man. It's so ridiculous. Like, if somebody can give me a legitimate argument on why this rule is in place... And they went to the place, semifinal of, of, the, of the CBI. Wow, it's almost like they were a halfway good team. Yeah, they Isn't were... Isn't that well, crazy? They, well, they were 14-8 and eight in year one of... of Division one basketball. Then the next year they go twenty and thirteen, and then get hot in the conference tournament and win it, and don't go to the NCAA tournament. I hate they didn't it. even get invited to the CBI the second year. What? I don't know. I don't know. May, or do they get invited and turn? Do they turn it down? Sense. That I would be funny. No that would be really funny if they got invited and said, "No, we're good. We don't. If we can't play in the NCAA tournament, we don't want to play in the CBI." Which. I get it. It's totally understandable. And and look, Mary Mack is not the first team. You mentioned it just a second ago about how JSU made it to the tournament last year 
with this rule because another team was ineligible. Like it just nobody has been able to give me an argument for this on why is it a thing? And I would love to hear it if there is one. I just don't see the point. Like you're punishing a team and a program for taking a step up into better basketball and being good and adjusting properly. Like that just I don't get it, man. I absolutely don't get it. But I wanted to bring this back up because we got some more information and it honestly just made me even more mad. <laughs> like it just it it just befuddles me. I don't get it. But it's really dumb. It is. It is what it is, man. But we'll talk more college basketball coming up at hour number two. We'll talk about Auburn and their draw with Arkansas. Probably the toughest draw they could have gotten given the circumstances. We'll talk about that in the path to an SEC championship coming up at hour number two. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Obelika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Tuesday, March 7th, 2023. It is conference championship week in college basketball, and that has been our conversation today, talking all things college basketball as uh, teams are punching their ticket to the NCAA tournament, writing their name in history, winning their conference championship games, some teams playing for their conference championship games, but can't make it to the NCAA tournament, which we've known about this rule, but as we dig deeper, we realize just how bad of a rule it truly is. And yes. we talked a lot about that in hour number one. Want to get onto that a little bit more, not not a ton, but a little bit more because we've gotten even more information that in comparison just makes us question this rule even more. But if you missed any of our number one, uh, we talked a lot about uh, teams that have already made it to the NCAA tournament, teams that have a chance to do that tonight. We started to break down the SEC basketball tournament. We will continue to do that here in hour number two, and that includes Auburn's path to a championship as they start with Arkansas on Thursday night. And so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what Auburn has to do here coming up in the second hour. But if you missed any of hour number one, uh, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center and you can find a commercial free right there, right after the show. And you can also search ESPN or you can just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. And to enlighten our listeners that maybe are just now tuning in maybe you just got in the car whatever it may be in that first hour we started discussing the horrible NCAA rule that says in basketball 
a team that moves up from Division Two to Division One, you are ineligible to make it to the NCAA tournament for four years. One, two, three, and four. You are ineligible to play in the yes. NCAA tournament for four years. Doesn't matter if you win your conference tournament and qualify for the automatic bid because you actually are not eligible for that automatic bid for four years. And we've talked about this because Mary Mack, who is in the Northeast Conference Championship game tonight against Fairleigh Dickinson, they are ineligible, so they cannot make the NCAA tournament. Fairly Dickinson has already been granted the NCAA tournament berth, and we just found out during the break that it's only two years for yes, college two football. Two-year two transition from FCS to FBS. You are allowed. Oh, look, it's Javon Franklin up on the shooting. Javon Franklin, the former Auburn Tiger, is oh, shooting yeah. free throws to beat Florida State with .2 seconds oh, left wow. right now. Yeah, you're right. Let's take a look at this for Let's see one how this second. Goes. Rattled it in. Oh, wow. God. Off the front end, off the backboard. And and fun fact about Javon Franklin, my sophomore year at Auburn, I had a class with him. I forget which one it was. It was one of those calm classes. I actually sat next to him in a major lecture hall. Very nice guy. Very, very cool dude. Uh, sat next to him all semester long. Uh, was a very nice guy. We, I mean, we talked and talked about basketball and talked about life he's a very cool dude and then he ended up transferring obviously but uh yeah i sat next to him in college in one of my classes so that was pretty cool yeah i i i forgot he was at georgia tech but i also love the they, they just showed a uh a little kid a georgia tech fan going nuts after that made free throw like hey man you're still the 13 seed in a historically awful ACC. <laughs> Look, our intern Jenny, who is on spring break this week, I'm sure she is very excited uh, somewhere as Georgia Tech is... I hope she's not watching, because why would you want to watch this tournament? <laughs> well, A, why would you want to watch it? And B, why would you be watching it on spring break, right? But uh, they're up by one with point two. so good for Javon Franklin, former Auburn basketball player, who uh, hopefully just won it for his team. So FSU does not have enough time for a shot now, so they have to throw it the length of the court and hope somebody gets a finger on it and de- redirects it into the basket? You pretty much have to football pass this thing and throw it at the rim or the backboard and like you said just get a finger on it if you're javon franklin you miss this free throw a hundred times out of a hundred you try to uh yes because yes then it's over if you miss the free throw it's over as soon as it hits the rim yeah the clock's gonna well Well, no no it starts at the touch touch, of the ball yeah you're right they're gonna like they're not gonna have they're not gonna be able to deflect that physically basket all the way across the physically impossible physically impossible so yeah, good for them. Good for Georgia Tech in the first game of the ACC tournament on the verge of winning thanks to Javon Franklin, a former Auburn basketball player, You've got hitting some, a winning free throw. you got some FSU players in the Surrender Cobra, and I'm just like, hey, go win more than nine games this year. How about that? And then maybe you won't be in this situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's the ACC. Weird. It's always weird to me to think about the fact that the ACC is a 15-team basketball league. And yet there's two good teams? Yeah, and they're, if you look at Ken Palm's rankings for uh, conferences, they are the seventh best conference, I believe. Yeah, they are not good. They are absolutely not good. And that sort of gets into our later on question of the day. Does Louisville beat Boston College and pull that upset? The Louisville team that's the worst Louisville. Louisville had never lost more than 20 games in a year, and I think, uh, if I have this right, they've lost 26 this year. 
That's so bad. For a historically dominant program in Louisville. Yeah, it's really ugly, and I don't... It doesn't make any sense. They are 4-27. and 27. Sorry, they're, I Jeez. gave them too much credit. They are 2-18 and 18 in conference play. That doesn't happen. Like, that That does not this happen. This is a national championship, like, uh, program. This is yeah. a... This is a top, I mean, I would say, I would say it's a top, what, 15 program, 10, 15 program in the country? Historically, yeah, absolutely. 15, I would say. Because they, they have the talent and the resources and the money to win a national championship. They have. They've done it in the past. And, yeah, to be 4-27 and 27 for Louisville, that's ridiculous. But just an update, Georgia Tech did win, 61-60. to 60. The last time they did not win more than f- – they did not win more than four games was 1940-41 when they only played 16 total games and went 2-14. and 14. Wow. That is crazy to think about. They played 16 games – and they only won two of them, but that's the last time they haven't won more than four was 1943? Mm-hmm. Man. 1941. Even worse. And didn't you tell me that they're going to keep that staff for another year? I think they are. I think they are. So their previous, the Louisville record for losses was the 2001 season. They went 12-19, and 19, and they're 4-27 and 27 this year. Wow. So they have Mm-mm. eight more losses than they've ever had as a program. How about that? That's crazy. But see here, then the then the discussion becomes, okay, this is literally the worst season in Louisville basketball history under a first year coach, first year coaching staff. Do you keep him and give him a chance to at least try to turn this thing around, or do you say, buddy, this ain't happening? I think he's staying. Um what do you Especially do? Especially with, <laughs> I mean, I would, I would get rid of him. I what do our listeners? What do our you, listeners you do? You have to find the money to get rid of him, which I don't. What are know they paying Louisville him? Has well, let's see. Yeah, see if you um, can find his contract. If you okay to our listeners, let's pose that question. As a first-year head coach at Louisville, he just had the worst record ever, the worst season ever in Louisville basketball history. If you are the athletic director, president of the University of Louisville, do you keep him? 334-321-1390. Do you give the guy a chance to make up for it, or do you say there's just no way? His contract is six years, um, so it goes through the 27-28 season, $3.35 million a year. Man, so three and a half million a year for the next six, seven years. But this guy just had the worst, the worst season in program history. And this is not, this is not Ole Miss basketball. This is not Washington basketball. This is not uh, whatever. I mean, this is Louisville basketball, a top fifteen program historically in college basketball. I think that's a super interesting topic. We have gone total left field here, but I think it's really interesting, and we have a caller who wants to chime in. 334-321-1390. Shane, are you firing the guy today? Nah, nah I'm not firing the guy today. I'm, I'm, I'm more on the, um, you know, I, I have no idea what, what their program looks like right now, but I would assume that when a coach is leaving, you're, you're going to have a transition of, of players, so I don't know what their roster looks like. If they have, you know, highly, highly, uh, you know, looked after uh, uh, players or not, but 
I would assume that he doesn't have what he's what he's wanting. I don't even know who the coach is, to be honest. Uh, I don't know much about Louisville, but it's Kenny I Payne. Would say if, huh? It's Kenny Payne as their head coach. I don't know who that is, but <laughs> I would say uh, I, I would I would give them, you know, two years. If, if, it's, if it looks like this next year, you, you're you're definitely gone. But uh, I don't see why uh, why it was. Four wins, that's, that's pretty bad. That's, that's really bad. <laughs> that's really bad. That's really bad. Yes. Let alone you know, uh, a program like Louisville. But I, I would say still you gotta you got to give them more than one year. Because uh, I don't know. I don't know how, how it is, but those might not even be his, be his players. Then you know that he's, that he's trying to recruit. Not making any excuses for the dude, but, but um, you gotta give you got to give – coaches in general more than just like one season because there's so many things that could be gone wrong that maybe things mm-hmm. did go wrong in this program and it's just you know you just need more than one year to, to be able to you know to work what you want oh yeah how, how you yeah. want it to work for yourself yeah you know, no doubt no like, doubt about it and and in any other situation i am 1000 percent with you i've talked about this when we talk about college football college basketball you need three or four years. In any given situation, a new head coach deserves three to four years to turn a program around, do his own thing, get his guys in there like you're talking about, get his coaches in there, get his mentality, right, his brand into that program. I just think it's really interesting to look at this one because it's such an outlier, Shane, because it's such a big program in Louisville basketball, and this is the absolute worst season that has ever been had in the history of this program. I just think it's an interesting conversation. You feel bad for them because Louisville is a really good program, and they're a really good school, but, man, 4-27, and Shane, that's not good. Okay, so, so you guys obviously know a little bit more about this than I do, so... So what are what are the what's going on? So what are the players? You know, are, are these uh, leftover you know crumbs that he's working with? Or well, this, I mean, he went they, out he went out and landed a couple uh, four star freshmen this past year. They've got a couple four star freshmen coming in as well. He also went and got uh, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, the yeah. former five star that went to Tennessee. He transferred to Louisville. Uh, they're just. Like it's a really odd thing. Like you don't expect to see a Louisville program drop off to this level. I do love that yeah. uh, Kenny Payne did have a quote. He said, "What if we we win the ACC tournament? What if, what if?" I was, I was just about <laughs> to say that. I was just about to say, well, "What if they go out and win the win the tournament and then make a run in the NCAA tournament and then you know that that, that would be a, that would be a phenomenally." An insane story if that were if something like that were to happen. I, would I mean, love what, it if, if, would if they win the the ACC tournament, how many wins does that give them uh, overall? That gives them what? I'd one, give them two, what? three, nine? four. It give them five wins, so they'd be at nine and nine and twenty seven. Do you think if Louisville won the ACC tournament, are they playing as a 16 seed in the first four in Dayton? Are they having to play into the tournament to then get stomped by uh, a one seed? This is oh, a horrible. This is a horrible conversation. Definitely. <laughs> I would say most definitely. They're they're they're. Oh man, yeah. I don't even want to really think about it, but but uh, if they if that were to happen, there's no way they could be anything but like 16 and a half seed. Uh, 16 you know, and a half. Like, like, <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I absolutely love that. No, I, mean, I just, I've, I've oh heard, my gosh, I've heard at least one Louisville fan talk about it, and they're 
hoping it gets so bad that he just realizes like life was a lot easier as an assistant coach and just walks away so they can hire a new coach. Yeah, and, and look, there are there are articles and fans that are they're they're really torn on whose fault this truly is. Uh, is it Kenny Payne's fault? Is it Chris Mack's fault? A combination, but there are well, people saying, I, is it Rick Patino's fault? Like, I don't know how you I, can blame Rick Patino. It's been a long time. Since, I know. I mean, Patino hasn't been there in six Patino. years. <laughs> Shane said you can always blame Rick Patino. <laughs> Fair, I guess. But Rick. hey, for what it's worth, Rick Patino's got Iona rolling. He's going to get a big time job again here soon. Oh yeah. Hey, I, I would say, I would say that the guy needs to. He, he, He's going to get fired, whether it's this year or that year or, or, or next year. I don't think going beyond next year. I I don't know if it were me. You know, now that we're talking about it, I don't know, man. I kind of I, I hate firing somebody after one year because you don't really know. If, you know, if you don't you don't know. There's a yeah. lot of variables. He's brand new. He was just an assistant, correct? I believe so. Yeah, he first, he was a uh, career, I guess, kind of assistant in his. So he doesn't um, know, you know. He's never been put in that position where, like, yeah. he's the guy that makes these decisions on the court, you know, uh, you know, full speed, you know, not not. So I would I would say, I don't know. If, if it were me, I would give him one one or middle of the middle of of next season. See how it, see how it yeah. starts off. I'm like with now. you. He was an assistant at Oregon for five years and then an assistant at Kentucky for 11 years before becoming an assistant on the New York Knicks for three years. So huh. that's his career well, hey path. Guys, I'm, uh, I'm actually pulling up to get some tickets from you guys right now. So, okay. uh, War Eagle. Appreciate Sounds good. Shane. Good to hear from you, Shane. That is Shane joining in on our uh, very unscripted on warranted Louisville conversation that I think has hey, turned really interesting. For what it's worth, in his first three years at Iona, Rick Patino is a blazing 61-21 and 21 and has been to the NCAA tournament in his first season uh, and is currently the one seed in the, uh, in the Mac... Extra A in there. There you go. (laughs) Well, look, man, I'm on the same page with Shane. I don't fire the guy after one year because I still believe every coach deserves a couple of years to do their thing. Is this the worst season in Louisville basketball history? Yep, it absolutely is. But I'm still on the path and still on the train of thought of everybody deserves a chance. Everybody deserves a little bit of time in the game of college basketball, football, whatever it may be. You deserve a little bit of time. Does he get a full year next year? I don't really know. Depends on if you start turning this thing around or not. Can you pull in some talent somehow, some way? I don't know. But that was our discussion breaking down the worst season in Louisville basketball history, which is this season. And I was going to say to you guys, if Louisville, in the crazy conversation you were just having about if Louisville wins the ACC tournament, does that really say a whole lot? Because the ACC, it sucks. Yes, it's, it's really bad. bad. Like, it's horrible. The ACC is really, really bad. They're going to get five teams in and two of them are halfway decent. Like, it's not good. Well, we get to see how this starts in about 17 and a half minutes when Louisville and Boston College tip off. I'm sure our listeners are so excited to, to give updates from uh, the Louisville-Boston College game. we got to get to our first break here in hour number two. When we come back, question of the day. We'll be ranking the major 
Power Six, Power Seven conferences, if you will. Coming into conference tournaments, where do the conferences stand? Who's got the best? Who has the worst? Who has the best chance to be crowned a national champion at the end of March, beginning of April? We'll talk about it when we come back. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Question of the day here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390, as we move away from the uh, Louisville basketball conversation, which I think got really interesting, and we appreciate Shane calling in and giving uh, his thoughts as he came by and picked up some tickets that he won yesterday for Auburn baseball tonight. But question of the day, Carter, coming into conference tournaments, right? It's, It's tournament week, conference tournament week. How would you rank the top major conferences in college basketball based off of teams that have potential to win a national championship based on okay that's different than ranking conferences well, i think there's that. two ways to do it i think big 12 is still first because you've got kansas you've got baylor you've got uh kansas state texas TCU, texas uh iowa state the top half of that conference is so 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 good uh if you're going off potential to win a championship, then you're going Pac-12 second because you have Arizona and UCLA. It's interesting. That's where I would go if you're going. Off. If we're going off ranking conferences, then you go Big 12, Big 10, SEC, Pac-12, Big East, American, then ACC. But if you go off potential to win a championship, it's Big 12. Pac-12. Ooh, I don't know if you go American or Big Ten next. I think you go Big Ten. I think you go Big Ten. The and disrespect. Then, the disrespect of the Big East. The Big East, they're gonna, their highest seed is going to be a three seed. I mean, like, like a three really seed that can win, they're I really think, good. can win it. Marquette's really, really good, but there's just more battle-tested groups out of the Big Ten, and the Big Ten's deeper, and the Big Ten's going to get 10 teams in. Which is crazy to think about. Um, and so, like, 10 teams, that's a lot. And we know that Purdue, at its best, and Purdue with certain matchups, could be a headache for a lot of teams. I don't think they're a national yeah. championship team. I don't. I don't think Marquette is, but I think Marquette is... You, you'd get into a really interesting conversation about Big East versus SEC next, I think. Yeah, and the thing about the Big East, they have tailed off here near the end. Um, I mean, you've got four teams that are ranked right now. You're going to have you're gonna have five teams that make it unless another team like Villanova or Seton Hall make Which a run. Villanova's playing Villanova's really scary. Right I now. said it. I think I said it late last week. If Villanova... They're playing better. They just got some dudes back. They could win their conference tournament. And if they do, you better watch out. They're sneaky good. I know their record doesn't show it. They draw Georgetown in the first game. So who you want to talk about talk about a historic program that's going through it. How about Georgetown? It's seven and twenty four overall, two and eighteen in the big east. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, Yikes. Um the the (laughs) Big East has i guess a better system for settling tiebreakers than uh the sec and some of these other conferences that eventually go to a 
flip of a coin by the commissioner or a draw. I, mean, I know technically the SEC is a little bit more complex, but the Big East, if all things are equal, you go to net ranking, which is why UConn is the four seed, interesting sixth in the net, and Providence is the five seed. Providence is fifty first. The net rankings very much do not like the Big East. I will say that. Yeah, which is fair. And again, you know me. I am an eye test guy. I go off the eye test more than anything. But the numbers, and the statement is true, numbers don't lie. And But they don't... Here's the thing. Numbers don't lie, but they don't tell the whole story. That's my defense. And I think that's fair to go off of that. And I think the Big East is solid. I think there are two possibly three teams that are good enough to make a run at the final four and that's what everybody bases it on it's you never hear who has the best chance to win a national championship it's who's going to make a run of the final four and to rank conferences based off of that I think it is I think it's the big 12 first I think I like your pick with the Pac-12 being second based off of Arizona and UCLA there's not a whole lot under them, but no, those yeah, two the, teams... The that conference is awful. Those two teams are really good, especially UCLA. And I think you told me during the break a little bit ago, if UCLA ends up being a two-seed, you do not want to catch them as a two-seed. They're good enough to be a one-seed. I am very curious. I was looking it up earlier. I don't think I saw a definitive answer, but uh, they Jalen Clark for UCLA has been out with... Um, some sort of calf injury. He got hurt in their last game. The expectation by people seemed to be he had an Achilles injury. Mm-hmm. Chris, uh, not Chris Mack. Um, why am I drawing a blank? I can see his face. He's right in front of me. Uh, their coach um, has been a little... You've got Mick Cronin. That's oh. who I was looking for. Thank God I found that because that was going to kill I'm- me if I didn't get that. I was dying over here. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> um, but you had Mick Cronin basically is like, oh, like he won't be available this week. And it's like, yeah, they just kind of, they just kind of, yeah, very vaguely played it off for a while. And I don't know if that's him just covering for it uh, so it doesn't affect seeding i don't know i don't know either but i want to continue this conversation we'll talk about the sec as well we'll get into auburn in the sec tournament their path to a championship all that coming up when we come back you are on the line with jacob goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. And continuing our conversation about ranking conferences based off of teams and potential to make runs at the final four i think that's a better way to put it ranking these conferences including the sec we're we're getting to that and we'll talk about the teams in that given the sec tournament coming up this week as well but ranking conferences in college basketball based off of teams that have potentials to make a run at the final four you talk about the big 10 obviously you cover that conference extremely well uh, with your uh, locked on northwestern i ask you this question because I struggle to find teams in here. 
How many teams out of the Big Ten do you think have a legitimate chance to make a run in a Final Four? Um, I think when you get the – if you look at the Big Ten, there's so many experienced teams. Um, I look at a team like – we know Purdue's at the top. They're on the top five of the net. They've been up there all year long. Um, they have Zach Eady. Nobody else has Zach Eady. Um, and Zach Eady's going to be the national player of the year. They're a team that I think has the potential of winning a championship. Then I think when you look at this conference, you're looking at just how like evenly matched this conference was and how these teams kind of just beat up on each other. Yeah. I think you've got teams with really high ceilings that have not figured it out yet to kind of per se – um, I mean, I look at a team like Indiana at its best is really, really good. The I, issue, I think, is, they are Final Four good playing their best ball. And, but that's the thing. Like we we saw them beat Purdue twice, but both times they they would beat Purdue, and then eventually they would have that that letdown game. Like they beat Purdue, then they got blown out at home by Iowa. Like. That's the kind of thing that can't happen from game to game uh, in the NCAA tournament. I just think that you got to look at for if you're picking a championship. I I don't think the Big Ten's going to win a championship this year because I don't think Purdue's going to win it. I don't think they're playing well enough even mm-hmm. right now. But I mean, I'm going to dart throw with the ten teams of the Big Ten rather than the five teams of the Big East and say that the Big Ten's got a better chance to go deeper because of just numbers. Which is fair. I mean, it's absolutely fair because you bring up, again, you bring up the fact that the Big Ten's going to have 10 teams in the NCAA tournament. Out of all of their squads, only two out of top to bottom in the conference, only two of them have a losing record. Everybody else has a, a above 500 record overall. And I mean, even like a Nebraska team that nobody thought was worth anything all year long they figured something out and they've they've finished the regular season in the big 10 winning five of their last six and that includes game, like overtime wins against uh maryland who's a top 20 ken palm team right now mm-hmm. uh going on the road to rutgers and beating them beating iowa on the road on the on the final sunday of big 10 play it's you there's so many it's the Big Ten's just so deep, yeah, and so, and at different spurts, some of these teams look unbelievable. Like Rutgers did for a little bit, and they were ranked, and then they fell apart down the stretch. Northwestern had their run, and then they dropped three games in a row, bounced back against Rutgers. There's teams that keep having these spurts. Nobody has sustained it, besides Purdue, and even they have struggled here recently. When I look at the Big Ten. I see one team that could win a national championship. I see three possible teams that can make a run at a Final Four. But I'm with you. I don't think any of them do. I think Purdue is the only team out of the Big Ten that if they put it all together, given they have the player of the year in Zach Eady, they could win a national championship. I don't think they will, but they could. 
And then I look at Northwestern and Indiana with how they're playing. Northwestern, uh, they've tailed off just a little bit here near the end, but they're still really talented. They've got a lot of seniority. They have really good guard play. They have a chance Boo-Booey. to make a run. Boo Booey just got named a Bob Cousy Award finalist, which there means he's one of the five best point guards in college basketball. And I think it's absolutely true. And then you look at Indiana. We talked about them just a second ago when they're playing their best basketball, when Trace Jackson Davis is being one of the best players in basketball. They can make a run here in March. But are they good enough to win a national championship? No, because they're too inconsistent. Is Northwestern good enough? I just don't think so because I don't don't think think they have the full-on talent to run with teams for six straight games in the NCAA tournament. They will have a cold game at some point. They will. I, if you were to ask me right now, they'll beat a team or two they should not beat, but they'll run cold at some point and take a loss. I mean, I look at a team like Maryland that has so many seniors, and when when Jameer Young and that group is firing on all cylinders, they're so difficult to beat. Illinois was supposed to be a team that was going to contend for the Big Ten this year. They haven't quite put it together all year long. Heck, Iowa is a team that if they – Locked down defensively, which they have not done all year, they're one of the best offensive teams in the country, and they can shoot. And And we've seen an Auburn team, a Villanova team, that if you run and shoot, yeah. then you can, you can beat some teams in some matchups and make a deep run in the tournament. The issue is when you look at Iowa, they're the number three adjusted offensive team in the country. This is yeah. This is not Iowa football. This is Iowa basketball. It lives <laughs> on the total opposite end of the spectrum. Yes, but they're one sixty ninth in defense, which is not good. If they if they were pretty good, we'd be talking about an Iowa team that as a f- top fifteen team in the country, and they would be one of those teams that you're like they could absolutely get hot and make a run to the final four. But but yeah. they just haven't proved it defensively this year. Then you look at the SEC, right? Look at the Southeastern Conference. Given that the tournament starts tomorrow, we began to talk about that, and we will uh, some more here and as we get into tomorrow's show as well. But you look at the SEC as a conference, top to bottom, you're looking at eight teams to get in right now, barring a crazy run from somebody out of the bottom. When you look at the SEC... How many potential teams can make a run at the Final Four? How many teams are national championship good in your mind? And and again, phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from our listeners. 334-321-1390. Looking at the eight potential nine. I don't think it'll be nine. Eight's probably your number. In the NCAA tournament, how many teams are good enough to make a run at a Final Four? And how many teams are good enough to win a national championship? I think there are three teams capable of making a Final Four in the SEC. Alabama, obviously. Texas A&M, because I think they're a grinded-out team. They're going to be awfully difficult to beat in tournament play. And Kentucky. That's my list. I think Kentucky is better than Tennessee is. And especially with no Zakai Ziegler going forward, I think that's vital. Would would he change your answer? If he's playing, is Tennessee Final Four good? Yes. Yes. I think that they are. I Do I think they would have gotten there? No, because I don't trust Rick Barnes and a Tennessee team in March. Very fair point. Uh, but I, I I don't think without him, they're – I was listening to some, somebody. I think it was – maybe it was Mark Titus who said, when you watch Tennessee play, it's like 
it's like watching a f- football team try to play basketball. Like it's amazing that they've been as good as they are this year, but like outside of Santiago Vescovi, like they just look like a bunch of football players out there trying to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, look, they're 22 <laughs> and 9 overall, but they're 11 and 7 in conference play. That matches Vanderbilt and Missouri. And I would I would even dig deeper on that. They lost one conference game and well and before from the SEC Big 12 Challenge and before they lost one conference game and that was at home to Kentucky. So the month of January. From February on, they they go six, four and six the rest of the way. Hmm. Four to me could have been three and seven if Auburn takes care of business and Thompson Bowling. Or I mean, if if Alabama beats and or like an Alabama team that was probably favored against them in Thompson Bowling beat them as well. I mean, mm-hmm. like I, I know Tennessee played very well in that game and they won. You got to give them credit, but but like they're they're they did not win in the back half of conference play. They did not win a conference game on the road away from Thompson Bowling. They won. Uh, they lost at Florida, at Vanderbilt, at Kentucky, at A and M, at Auburn. Their wins in that stretch are Auburn at home, Alabama at home, South Carolina at home, Arkansas at home. I know we all have this criticism of Auburn. That's nationally, there's a criticism of Auburn as well. What are they away from Neville Arena? And we we've been critical of how Auburn's played on the road. Yeah, Tennessee's been the same thing in the back half of the year. I'm with you. I don't think Tennessee is Final Four good. I really, really don't. I didn't think they were Final Four good with Zakai Ziegler when he was still playing. Does that give? Would that have given them a better chance? Duh, yes. absolutely. But I don't think they're Final Four good. Tennessee can't score. And guess what? You got to score to win games, and you got to score, and you got to win games to win championships. I don't trust Tennessee because they're going to get matched up against somebody in the tournament that shoots lights out. And look, Tennessee's got a great defense, but Auburn's offense is not great, and they just beat them on Saturday. Tennessee's going to get put up against somebody first or second round that's shooting the lights out, has a good offense, moves the basketball, runs an old-school type of, of system, and they're going to beat Tennessee five-on-five five straight up, and Rick Barnes is going to be out of the tournament early again in another disappointing season in Knoxville. So here's something. Since conference play started, Tennessee has won impressive win uh, in conference play. They have won or on the road. They have one quad one conference win on the road, and that was January 17th at Mississippi State. That's it. Huh. That's it. They have not... I mean, you you would have to go back to their, their, uh, their next earliest win, like quad one caliber win away from Thompson Bowling is in a neutral site game against Maryland on December 11th. And yeah, let me look. They beat USC in a neutral site game. They beat Kansas in a neutral site game. They have not played well away from Thompson Bowling. Yeah. They just have And again, SEC tournament, NCAA tournament, it's all neutral site. It's not played inside Thompson Bowling, but it's also not played inside of Neville Arena. And so you have to keep that in mind, but... When I look at the SEC as the conference championship or the conference tournament rather gets going tomorrow in Nashville and selection Sunday coming up in just a few days, the SEC being projected as eight teams, an eight bid league right now in the NCAA tournament. When I look at this, 
I see one team that is truly good enough to win a national championship if they turn things around right now, which is Alabama. I see two, possibly three teams that can make a run at the Final Four. I think Alabama, obviously. I think Texas A&M, if they continue playing with the chip on their shoulder, they're talented, they're better than what we thought they were. you got to give all the credit in the world to them and Buzz Williams, co-SEC Coach of the Year. And I think Kentucky's right there if they continue playing the way they are. Kentucky is talented. Kentucky is very good when they're playing their best. John Calipari is a good coach. Do they amend their loss last year early in the tournament? Are they going to make the Final Four? No. But their Final Four good. Outside of that, I don't think the SEC has a chance to make the Final Four. I think Alabama's your best shot. Yeah, um, and I don't think that I, if you want my opinion, I don't think they're going to make it with the way that they're playing right now. Uh, so the, here's an update on this Kentucky team. I think this Kentucky team at full strength is capable of making a Final Four. The issue is they haven't been full strength for two, three months. I mean, this is an update from this morning uh, on a sea of blue, the SB Nation site for, mm-hmm. for Kentucky. Injury updates on C.J. Frederick, Kaysen Wallace, Severe Wheeler, and even John Calipari, the subtitle is "Everyone is hurt." <laughs> wow, that's the second. That's the first line below the title on the article. Well, I think two big stories coming into the SEC tournament this week, and then March Madness next week is there's a lot of injuries around college basketball. There's a lot of big names that are hurt in college basketball, and the unpredictability that is going to be this month of March is more than it's been in a long, long time. Look, it's March Madness. There's a reason they call it that, because it's crazy. Upsets happen. It's unpredictable. That's why it to get a perfect bracket is pretty much statistically the hardest thing you could ever do. But this year's is like times 10 because of what college basketball is, because of all these different conferences we've just talked about, how we can maybe pick one team that's good enough to win it, two out of some of these conferences, and yet anything can happen. You just never know. There's going to be upset after upset after Cinderella run after Cinderella run. There's not going to be any form of chalk here. Big seeds are not going to make it far in some of these portions of the bracket. It's going to be crazy. And you look at Kentucky right now, a team we're talking about out of the SEC, according to Joe Lenardi's Bracketology, as a sixth seed, they go up against the 11 seed Pitt, which they should take care of business. But their round of 32 matchup, as of right now, is either number three, Gonzaga, or number 14, Furman, a team that I said nobody wants any part of after winning their conference championship last night. Am I crazy that I just don't believe in this Gonzaga team this year? I don't ever believe in Gonzaga, but I know what you're saying. I will say, the, the year that they played Baylor for a national championship... That team was nasty. They and were. They just ran into a buzzsaw. At but the Baylor end. was unstoppable. Yeah, in I, March. I, I mean that that Baylor team played such unbelievable defense that that I mean I don't even know. But 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 I get what you're saying for, about for, this year's Gonzaga team. Yes. Like yeah, I, they, outside of Drew Timmy, like they lost a lot for, for the first time in a while. I can't name that many guys on Gonzaga. Well, think about the guys they lost. They're they're out of the spotlight. I mean, the only time they've, I've guess, ventured into this sphere, I guess, of of media and influence or whatever was when they came 
and beat Alabama in mm-hmm. Birmingham. And that was in like November, early December, and then they've been disappeared out there. And they had they they aren't even the one seed in the, in the WCC, which is something different. Um, by the way, I was checking on the status of of the Kentucky hurt players. None of them have practiced this week. They have two practices left before they play, and Cal said they have to practice before they play. So doesn't sound great for the SEC tournament. And. Maybe Vanderbilt or whoever plays Vanderbilt could have an outside shot against that Kentucky team in in the semifinal. And it may be Kentucky's strategy. Maybe they're not super worried about the SEC tournament. I think if there's a program or a team that could take the SEC tournament for granted, it's Kentucky, considering how many times they've won it, and they know that the NCAA tournament is what really matters for them and not the SEC tournament. Um, I mean, you you were talking about their draw. I feel really good about Kentucky against Pitt because I think the ACC is awful. I feel pretty good about them if they run into Gonzaga in round two. And then at that point, I mean, who knows what you're getting out of Northwestern Providence or Texas. That's I tough. Mean, Texas would be... Texas, I think Texas and Northwestern could be very difficult. I think the athleticism of those two squads would really put a test on this Kentucky team. The Texas in particular. Yeah, I think I I would you know would be fascinated is watching Kentucky play Northwestern with how aggressive yeah. and how aggressively Northwestern traps opposing big men. It would be something that Oscar Shibway has not seen all year. Which Sheboy would you get? That'd be the question. I'm with you, man. That'd be really interesting. It would be something that it might, there might be like this first 10 minutes of the game where he's just like in shock. Like, what is this? Like, nobody's ever thrown this at me really in the the SEC. Very well could. Well, SEC, college basketball, it's unpredictable. This is going to be a crazy march. We have to get to our final break here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We'll come back, wrap it up, break down the rest of the SEC bracket really quick. We'll get out of here. We'll talk more about this tomorrow as well, but got to get to our final break. We'll come back and wrap it up on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Got about a minute or so. Uh, went long in our last segment, but that's okay. Been a great show today. Talking all things college basketball. Talking about and- Louisville. Yeah, we talked about Louisville uh, in the beginning of this hour and how they're going through the worst season in program history and uh, if they should fire everybody on that staff (laughs) so it's really really bad but also been talking about the different conferences around college basketball and ranking them based off of their final four potential coming into conference championship week and some teams that have chances to win conference championships tonight there's some championship games on tournament games all day and night long be sure you're watching them a lot of them and most of them are on ESPN Uh, be sure you're tuning into those Uh, just an exciting week it's the it's like the little it's a big appetizer before the NCAA tournament because there's so many fun games and fun matchups teams clinching NCAA tournament bids it's a lot Mm -hmm. of fun and tune in tonight come back tomorrow two to four we'll talk about the SEC tournament big time as it gets started in Nashville give you Auburn's path and everybody else around college basketball come back two to four right here on ESPN 1067 stay safe I'll talk to you later